Welcome to the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. We're so glad to have you join us today. Pastor Caleb is a graduate of the World Harvest Bible College, as well as Ohio Christian University. And his desire is to share the love of God with a lost and dying world. Prepare to be challenged and encouraged today through the study of God's Word. Now let's listen in to today's episode with our host, Caleb Schaefer. Well, I want to dig into the Word this morning. If you can turn with me to Mark chapter 2. We're going to read a familiar passage, and I want to share it today because I believe that God is still in the miracle working business. He's still in the healing business, and God doesn't want you bound up by anything. God doesn't want you bound up by anything big or small. He doesn't care if it's a sickness. He doesn't care if it's an addiction. He doesn't care if it's something that you just can't quit doing. He doesn't care. He doesn't want you bound up by anything at all. God is the author of freedom. He initiated freedom and he wants you to be free. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay a price so that you not could be bound up, but so that you could be free. Jesus said he came to give life and life abundantly. And so that life that is abundant is a free life it's freedom and today I want to read to you this story if you have Mark chapter 2 say amen with me will you jump to your feet to honor the reading of God's word this morning hallelujah again he entered Capernaum after some days and it was reported that he was in the house immediately many were gathered together so that there was not room to receive them not even at the door And he preached the word to them. They came to him bringing one sick with paralysis who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him due to the crowding, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it open, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Then Jesus saw their faith and he said to the paralytic, sons, son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why do you contemplate these things in your hearts? Uh, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go your way to your house. Immediately he rose, picked up the bed, and went out in front of them all. So that when they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, God, that it pierces and God, it cuts and it does the work. So Lord, I pray this morning that your word would do the work in this place. God, that you would cut to the quick and get into our hearts, God. Do a heart surgery on all of us this morning in this place. Perform miracles this morning in this place. And I pray that those who have come in here seeking answers would find them in you today. God, we love you in this place. And it's with a great shout that everybody in agreement said amen you can be seated in the house of God this morning I love this passage of scripture in this passage of scripture we find Jesus 
in Capernaum. And if you know anything about Capernaum, you know it was a small fishing village. It was situated on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, and it became the hub in Jesus' day. It was the happening town on the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was the center of attention. Its location was one of the best fishing spots on the Sea of Galilee. And it was also on what was considered to be at the time the national road, the road that went from Egypt to Damascus in Syria. And so Capernaum was sort of a stop on the way for travelers and traders that were going through the country. And the Sea of Galilee had some of the best fishing in the natural. But what we find out if we read the scriptures is we find that the Sea of Galilee had some of the best fishing in the supernatural as well. Jesus began his ministry when he, when he called his first disciples. He called many of them from Capernaum. Capernaum was the home of Zebedee's boys, James and John. And Peter and his brother Andrew were also from Capernaum. Matthew 9, 9 says that this location is even where Matthew had his tax collection booth set up. So Jesus' disciples, a lot of them came from this small fishing village called Capernaum. There was a lot that was happening in this little lake town. And it would appear from scripture that Jesus had a headquarters set up in Capernaum. This was one of the places that he would go. And tradition holds that some of Jesus' extended family even lived in Capernaum. And so it would make sense that he would go down to Capernaum whenever he needed some rest and relaxation. It was just where his aunt lived, and it's where his cousins were from. And so Jesus would steal away to Capernaum to break away from the crowds for a little bit. When my grandmothers were still alive, I can remember I used to sneak away to their houses for a few hours just to get a break from everything, just to, just to be able to sit around with some people that you knew loved you and, and cared about you, and, and you knew were there for you, and they would pray for you. And that's what Jesus had in these houses in Capernaum where his family lived. And so this little seaside town was one of these places that Jesus could go and take a rest. We can see from scripture that Jesus had a couple of places like this. When he needed a little break, he would, if he was down near Jerusalem, he would sneak down to Bethany to Mary and Martha and Lazarus house. And when he was up near the Sea of Galilee, he would go to Capernaum where his friends and family lived. And in this passage of scripture, we find it right after Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And word got out that Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law. And everyone started showing up at Peter's house. And the Bible said in Mark 1.32, that evening after sunset, the people brought all the sick and the demon possessed to Jesus. And the whole town gathered at the door. Kind of sounds like something happening around here. Whenever somebody finds something out, the whole town shows up. Everybody wants to know what, what's going on. And the whole town had gathered at the door and various people were healed of many diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now, I want you to make note of that because Jesus didn't have to let anyone know who he was. 
Jesus decided the next day before daylight that he would go away and he would pray for a little bit. And the disciples found him and they were upset. The disciples said, we have been looking for you everywhere. Nobody could find you. We were wondering where you got to. You have had us all worried. And Jesus said, you know what? Let's get out of town for a few days. Let's go somewhere for a few days. And so they went around ministering for a while and he healed a leper. And then he sent him away with a strong warning. He said, see that you do not tell this to anyone. But go and show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony. But instead, the man began to go and talk freely, and he started spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but he stayed outside in lonely places. Yet people still came to him from everywhere. I believe that with all of my heart, Jesus wanted some privacy for as long as possible. But I also feel like Jesus did not feel the need to go tell everybody who he was and what he was doing. He let his fruit talk for him. Anytime you get somebody who constantly needs to tell you who they are and what their title is and how important they are and how long they've done something and how famous they are and who they know and they come in and they've got to announce their their title and they tell you all the pedigree of who they came up under in the ministry. They tell you how many degrees they have. They tell you about all the universities they attended. Listen, you can tell me all that and still be a fruit loop. And I know a lot of people who act that way and feel like they need to tell everybody all their, th- all their qualifications. And as soon as they walk up to you, you can tell me you have so many degrees after your name. It looks like alphabet soup, but you still have no anointing. You still have no fruit. You still have no power. And that's the thing that we're looking for. The one that gets me to the most is when someone has to announce their bishop so-and-so and their prophet so-and-so and their apostle so-and-so. Sit down. You're a nut. I want to see the fruit. I want to see your fruit. Show me your fruit, and then I'll believe what your name is. Show me your fruit, and the Word of God tells me who you are. The Word of God will let me know who you know who gets really hung up on someone's title and who someone is. I'll give you a hint it's not God. When Jesus was in the desert, Satan came to him and he said, well, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of man, and what about when the little girl was following Paul and his gang around and she kept saying, these are men of the most high God. These are men of the most high God. And Paul turned around and cast a demon out of her. Who gets worried about titles and names? It's the devil. It's the devil. So Jesus uh, did not worry about people knowing his name, knowing who he was. Jesus said, hold your tongue and watch what I do. You can't just go on what folks tell you. You need to see what they're doing. You need to see how they act. If it's, the, if it's rotten fruit, it doesn't matter whether they're the priest or the president or the potentate. The title means nothing if the actions are dirty. The title means nothing if they have no power. So after a few days, Jesus had healed and ministered, and he sneaked back into Peter's house. He just wanted to come back and relax a little bit, take a break. 
Not have people pulling on him saying, can you do a miracle? I need a healing. So I can see Jesus just kind of sitting down at Peter's house in Capernaum, trying to have a little relaxing time when the Bible said that it was noised abroad that he was in the house. He was, it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Somebody found it out. Somebody said, hey, he's back. And after a short while, people were coming from miles around. You know how it is when there's news in town. You know how quick things spread. You know how fast it goes. People were stopping by and they were acting like they were concerned for Peter's mother-in-law. I just stopped in to check on you guys. They were poking their heads in and they just happened to see Jesus there in the room. Oh, hey, Peter, I was just seeing how fishing was. Hey, there's Jesus. Everybody was pretending to just stop by. I can see it happening like it would happen in today's world. I was just thinking of you all and I baked a cake and I see Jesus is here. So I think I'll just stay for a little while. And people in Capernaum acted just like people around here do. They really did. It used to be you had to physically get in the car and chase the fire truck down the road to see where the fire was. Now you just click on Facebook, and by the time the fire truck gets there, someone's already posted 25 pictures and a list of the valuables that were in the house and whether the pets got out or not. It's the truth. And I know that the people in Capernaum weren't that much different than us. Because when they heard that Jesus was in the house, they decided they were going to show up. They decided they were going to see what was happening in the house. They were inquisitive, so they all showed up at Peter's house to see what Jesus was going to do. And isn't it amazing that Jesus had told everybody, don't tell anyone who I am. Don't tell anyone what's happened for you. Don't tell anyone where you got your healing. But people got healed, and the people who had miracles, and the people who were set free from devils all became walking billboards for the glory of God. They all became walking testimonies for the glory of God. Jesus didn't have to hang a sign out and he didn't have to send flyers out saying what he was about to do. I know it makes some people mad when I say this in the modern church, but we use everything except for the glory of God to draw people in. We have to have dinners and we have to bring in bounce houses and we have to have big name speakers and nationally known singers and recording artists come in and draw people. And I wonder what would happen if we would just pray to we see some people healed and I wonder what would happen if we would just believe until some people got delivered I wonder what would happen if we just saw a few miracles because the glory of God does better public relations than any advertising campaign can do he'll advertise for himself if you start asking him to move and work miracles and heal sick bodies you won't have to push in the flesh to get done what he can do in the spirit And that's what Jesus had going on. There were people getting healed, so everyone flocked from all the neighboring towns and from all over the countryside. All around the Sea of Galilee, people came to see what he was going to do. Now there are people who have gathered into this house, and it is so packed, the Bible said you couldn't even get in. There were people standing outside the door. If you've ever been in a cramped place, where there are a lot of people that was poorly ventilated. You know the kind of situation that this became. It got uncomfortable in there. It got sticky in there. It got a little smelly in there. Things weren't the best 
quality inside the house, but everyone was there because they wanted to see what Jesus had to say. The Bible said that there was a man with the palsy. He was paralyzed. He couldn't move on his own. He lay on a mat and that mat had to be carried by four men. But when they heard that Jesus was in town, they said, come on, old boy, we're taking you to him. We're taking you to Jesus. And those four friends picked up his mat and they carried him to the house. And when they got to the house, the place was packed full and they couldn't even get through the door. We can't even get through the door. So they said, we'll climb up on the roof. And I can just see the faces of the people that were sitting in that house as they started to hear noise up on the roof. And it was probably stuffy in there and it was probably difficult to breathe and I'm sure it was dark inside. But all of a sudden up on the roof, they heard some footsteps and then there was a thud. And as Jesus was speaking, Matthew probably looked at Thomas and Shrugged his shoulders and I bet Thaddeus looked at Bartholomew and said, what's that? And I bet when that beam of light broke through that roof, that a hush fell over the room. And as the hole grew bigger, the ventilation came and I bet a wind of cool air blew through that room. And I bet everyone in that room knew that something was going on. Something was different that day. And there was a man. And as that hole grew bigger, they started to lower him down on a mat that he had been bound to for years. And he had been stuck on that mat for goodness knows how long. And his friends were lowering him down. And he set his eyes on Jesus. And Jesus didn't do anything spectacular except that he saw the faith of those men. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. And immediately some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak such blasphemies? Who does he think he is? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Can I tell you today that not everybody who shows up is in your corner? Just because they're sitting in the grandstands uh, watching you does not mean that they're cheering you on. Some of your followers, the only reason that they follow you is because they're trying to see you fail. I tell people all the time, don't put your whole life out there for everybody to see. Don't put your whole life out there for everybody to read. People get mad at me because I don't share a whole lot about my personal life. But people will judge you on what they see. And you thought those people that were following you on social media, you thought those people that were watching you at your job were watching you because they wanted to cheer you on and wanted to celebrate your victories let me tell you something they're not there because they want to be your friend half of them are there because they're waiting on you to post something dumb so they can screenshot it and send it to everyone half of them are following you because they want to see you mess up and that's one of the reasons I don't get so excited when somebody says oh so-and-so's here in church from another church, pastor so-and-so, minister so-and-so's here for revival to watch what's going on. They might be here to support. They might be here to stroke their ego and say they had a better service last week. uh, We've got people watching this video online right now who tuned in to see what they could criticize today. I know of people who can't stand our church who watch our Facebook live just so they have something nasty to say. Hi. Welcome to the broadcast. 
There are people who have a deep-rooted desire to catch you in something so that they can watch you fall. They love to see you mess up. They love to hear you say something out of line so that they can run and tell people. Now, to the undiscerning, it would have looked like those church leaders were there to support. It would have looked like to the people in the room who had no discernment that those scribes were there because they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. They wanted to see what he was going to do. And I'm sure some people were saying, oh, yay, the scribes are here. The religious leaders in town are all starting to come together. They're all starting to work together. And I'm sure there were people who were thinking how wonderful it was that they were there. And they were all going to grab hands and sing Kumbaya. And they were going to sing, it's time to give peace a chance. These scribes got past the door greeters. They got past the ushers. They got past the people who took up the offering. They got past the deacon board. They got past the sound man. And they got past the Sunday school teacher. But when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, his next thought was, something's not right here. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he knew when they were thinking it. He knew they weren't there to support. And what was happening was that they were there to try to catch him in something. You got to know who's on your side. You got to know who's in your corner. Don't just believe everybody that says I'm here, but I'm, I've got your back. I'm behind you. So they started saying, who can forgive sins except God? Who does Jesus think he is? And Jesus said to them, why do you contemplate these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or rise and take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority in the earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately the man rose and picked up the bed and went out in front of them all. He went out in front of them all and that everybody in the place was amazed and glorified God. Some translations of the Bible say, we've never seen anything like this before. And you see, when Jesus saw the faith of the men, that's when the miracles started happening. They could have said, Jesus is in town. Maybe he'll walk by here where we're at and we can flag him down when he goes by. They could have said, uh, send for Jesus. Maybe he'll stop over. They didn't even send someone to tell Jesus to just pray for the paralytic. When they heard that Jesus was in town, they got the edges of the paralyzed man's mat and they carried him over to where Jesus was. And when they saw the place was full, they didn't turn around and say, well, I guess we're out of luck today. I guess we just can't get in to see Jesus. It's been a long day. Let's all go back home. No, they said we can't get through the door. We're a little late to walk right in. But if we can get up to the roof, uh, we'll need some tools. Uh, we'll need a hammer. We'll need to knock a hole in the roof. Uh, we'll dig down through the plaster and the clay. And we'll get a hole big enough to slip our brother down into. And we'll lower him down so that Jesus can see him. Nowadays, people get so discouraged at the slightest hurdle. We get so discouraged, we get frustrated, and we want to give up when the smallest things happen. It takes the tiniest thing. We don't persevere. We don't push through. But can I tell you that there, if there's anything that I know that God honors, it's the press. God honors the struggle. There's no record that Jesus healed anyone else in that house that day. I'm sure there was someone with some sniffles. I'm sure there was someone with some arthritis. Someone probably hurt themselves at work that week. But the only account that we read about Jesus doing a healing that day is the man on the mat who 
did not give up until they got to Jesus. We can't get people to come to church, let alone press through the struggles to get a hold of God. We can't get people to worship during worship. They don't like the lights on. They don't like the lights off. It's too cold. It's too hot. Why are they singing that song again? We give God excuse after excuse as to why we can't press in. And the ones in the Bible that touched God were the ones who pressed in and didn't give up. They were the little women who had been bleeding for years, but somehow managed to crawl through the dirty crowd on the dirty ground to touch the hem of his garment. They were the men who were too short to see, so they climbed up in a tree to try to catch a glimpse of Jesus. They were the Bartimaeuses who screamed for Jesus while everyone was saying, shh, be quiet, don't bother him, shut up. They were the people who stopped at nothing to have Jesus hear their pleas. Those were the ones that Jesus visited. Those were the ones that he touched and he healed. All through the Bible, God honors the ones who go the extra mile. So what's stopping you? What's holding you back? What is it that is keeping you from going the extra mile? I know we can't even press through to get to church half the time. I know we can't even press through the yawns to get into worship half the time. We can't put our feelings aside long enough to make an extra effort. And I'm not saying you have to do anything to earn a healing or to see something changed in your life. But if I can get into your business for a minute, how much do you make the extra effort? How far is too far to go to get the miracle that you've been believing God? for if you haven't seen a change it's time to do something new you know the definition of insanity when you keep repeating the same action over and over in an effort to get a different result you got to change what you're doing if you haven't seen a change If you're believing for a change and it hasn't come yet, change what you're doing. These men chopped a hole in someone else's roof and lowered their friend down through it. I'm telling you, if you need something from God, if you're sick in your body, if you need a deliverance, if your loved one isn't saved, how far would you go to see a change? How much have you pressed in for your loved ones? How much have you fought in the spirit for them? How far have you fought for your own miracle? These men didn't get, give up, and it was those men that Jesus looked at and said, there's faith, I can do something with that. And he healed the man, and the people were astounded. But that's not the end of the story. Because Jesus didn't just say to the man, you're healed. So many people in the Bible, Jesus would minister to and he would give an instruction to. He would say things like, go wash in the pool of Siloam after he spit in the mud and applied it to a man's eyes. To the woman caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. But here we see a different instruction from Jesus to the man who was paralyzed. Jesus said, rise take up your bed and go your way to your house. He said, take up your bed and go home. The thing about that bed is that bed had carried him. 
That mat they had carried him on probably all over the place for who knows how long. The man had been paralyzed. And in order for him to get from here to there, he had to be on that mat. And people had to carry him. It was as if he was glued to that mat. He was stuck to it because that was the only means by which he could travel. He probably spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week on that mat. It was his bed. It was his kitchen table. He had hopes and dreams that he could get off that mat. He probably wanted to go do what everyone else was doing, but he was stuck to that mat. And I bet there were days that he laid there and he heard people walking by on their way to work and thought, I wish I could just go to work like everybody else. I wish I could get up and go do something like everybody else, but I can't get off this mat. That mat wasn't physically holding him back, but the mat was a symbol of the disability that he had. He couldn't function like normal people. He couldn't just get up and walk across the room. He couldn't feed himself. He couldn't bathe himself. He couldn't even give himself a cup of water. He couldn't lace his sandals or brush his hair. He couldn't hug his family or pull a blanket over himself if he got cold. So that mat was a symbol of all the things that he could not do. And Jesus didn't say, you're healed, go home. Jesus said, you're healed. Take your mat and go home. Jesus was saying to that man, you have laid on this mat for long enough. And that thing that has been carrying you, you're going to carry it now. Jesus said, I am giving you mastery over that which has mastered you. It's not going to control you anymore. You're going to control it. You don't need to go around anymore uh, on this mat. It needs you to get around. And from that day forward, that mat would have been like a trophy to that man. That mat would have been something to show off because as his friends and his family came over, I bet people would say to him, aren't you the man that used to have to be carried around on that mat? And I bet he pointed to it hanging on his wall saying there it is Uh, I carry it around now I'm the boss of it now and God told me to come in here today and ask someone what's your mat what is it what is your mat today what's the thing that has been binding you up what's that thing that's been holding you back what is it that has you tied up today what is it that's paralyzing you is it a physical sickness is it some doctor's report is it something someone did to you what is your mat is there hatred in your heart for someone is it unforgiveness that's paralyzing you is it alcohol is it drugs is it lusts of the flesh is it some sort of perversion holding you back is are you addicted to something what is your mat is it cigarettes today is it gambling is it gossip is it something holding on you that someone did to you or told you when you were a little boy or girl is it a generational pattern and curse that you're part of is poverty your mat today is lying or cheating or stealing your mat today what is your mat what is it that's carrying you around instead of you telling it what it's gonna do it doesn't have to be something I've called out but if it's something that you can't get away from that has you God told me to tell you today he's about to give you mastery over the thing that's been mastering you. 
He's about to give you control over that thing that's been controlling you. It wasn't just about healing the man. It was about the man being able to say, ah, Jesus set me free. He healed me. I'm not stuck anymore. I'm not bound to this thing anymore. And there are people in here today who have been bound to something for years and they can't shake free from it. They want delivered, but they haven't gotten their breakthrough. They know it's wrong. They they haven't gotten into the press though. And, And I'm trying to open these altars today for anyone. Who says, that's me. That's me. And so if everybody in this place will stand to your feet, I want to open these altars. And I want to say to you, do you have a mat? Did you come in here on a mat today? What is it that you're mat? Because the healers in the house today. And it might not be something physical. It might be something emotional. It might be something I didn't even name, something nobody's even thinking of. But I want to say to you, if you have a mat that you've been bound to, there is freedom today at this altar. And Jesus is going to look at you and say, rise up. Take that thing out of here, not as a bondage, but as a trophy. Carry that thing and tell people that you used to be stuck to it, but not anymore. So today, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to search your heart. Do you have a mat? Is there a mat that's holding you down? Is there a mat that's controlling you? And today, I'm going to ask you to come forward to this altar. We're not going to ask you what it is. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. You can just step out of your seat right now. I'm not even going to count today. I'm just going to ask you to come forward. Move now. Move quickly. You're not walking out of here with the same thing that you walked in with. You're walking out of here different. You're walking out of here changed. You're walking out of here freed. And that thing that has been holding you, you're going to show it off and tell people, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free today. People coming from all over. Hallelujah. There's still time. The healer's in the house. And he doesn't want you walking out of here with that thing. It might be worry. It might be anxiety or depression. It might be It might be something in your marriage today the mats are no longer going to carry you you're going to carry the mat Hallelujah I need to ask one more question today If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior do not leave this building without making that choice I'm going to ask you to come up as well you say you know what I need Jesus in my life I'm away from him or I've never met him I don't know him because what Jesus wants to tell you after you die is he wants to look at you and say enter in my well enter in my good and faithful servant well done he doesn't want to look at you and say I didn't know you so if you don't know Jesus 
or you've walked away for a while, I want you to come up to this altar too as I get ready to pray. Hallelujah. 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 Let's bow our heads and stretch our hands forward at this altar. Father God, we declare today that our mats are no longer going to carry us, but we are going to carry our mats. And we are going to show them to people and say, This is a trophy of what Jesus brought me from. This is a testimony of what Jesus brought me from. And I thank you, God, today for touching each person and breaking every chain. They're not going to be paralyzed by things anymore, but they're going to walk freely. They're going to be able to lift their hands and praise freely because, God, you have delivered them. And just like taking that step of faith and going down through that hole in the roof, God, we thank you that they've stepped out today and come to the altar. And in Jesus' name, I declare every bondage broken today. I declare every life whole today. I declare every heart healed today. Every mind set free today. In Christ's name, we are no longer slaves, but we are free men and free women today. God, I plead the blood of Jesus down over these, these at the altar today. And God, I pray that you would touch each one of their hearts and each one of their lives. And God, that they would begin to tell people, God has set me free. I am not bound up by anything. I am free. I am a free person today in Jesus name. Now, if you need to accept Jesus into your heart, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Repeat it, meet it with all of your heart. Say, Father God, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I ask you to wash me in his blood, set me free and make me a child God today fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you in Jesus name amen amen hallelujah hallelujah let's give the Lord a praise today if you need to linger at this altar you are free to do so Father God, bless every single person in this congregation at the sound of my voice. Bless those who are watching online in the name of Jesus. Keep us, watch over us, protect us until we can get back together again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a praise this morning? Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Caleb Schaefer Podcast. If you would like to connect with Caleb, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. If you have been encouraged, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Once again, we appreciate you listening to today's episode, and may God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.